0: Democrats greenlight anti-Semitism in the most disgusting possible way. The Democratic Party bars Fox News from a primary debate and the illegal immigration crisis is real. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Well, get ready for an hour of rage because I am livid this morning, livid. I spent two years fighting anti-Semitism from the right. I spent legitimately two years taking on the alt-right every single day, being threatened with death a lot of times. I was the number one recipient of alt-right hate for two years in the United States. And now the same left that said that they were on my side when it came to fighting anti-Semitism. It turns out they were completely full of bull. Okay, we'll get to all that in just one second. But first, but first, you may need to relax. You may need to fix your back after a workout. Well, the best way to do that is to hang upside down. I know, sounds weird, right? But it is actually a great way to decompress the back and joints after a workout and boost recovery. It's called inversion therapy. It uses gravity and your own body weight to decompress the spine and release tension in your shoulders, neck, and joints. Inverting after your workout boosts the recovery process by stretching and elongating your spine and joints, rehydrating the discs, and relaxing tired muscles. Decompressing on a teeter inversion table for a few minutes a day is a great addition to your daily routine to maintain a healthy back and joints. I love this thing. I've done my homework. This is the best inversion table on the market, which is why over 3 million people have put their trust in teeter. In fact, my personal trainer is a guy who's experiencing significant neck pain. He goes home. He gets on that teeter inversion table to help him. They're offering a great deal just for my listeners. For a limited time, you can get the brand new 2019 teeter fit spine inversion table model with bonus accessories and a free pair of gravity boots so you can invert at home or take the boots with you to the gym. Teeter Inversion Tables have thousands of reviews on Amazon, average 4.6-star rating. With this deal, you get 150 bucks off when you go to teeter.com slash Ben. That's T-E-E-T-E-R.com slash Ben. You also get free shipping, free return, 60-day money-back guarantee. So there is absolutely no risk to trying it out. Remember, you can only get the new 2019 Teeter Fit Spine Inversion Table plus a free pair of gravity boots by going to teeter.com slash Ben. That's T-E-E-T-E-R.com slash Ben to decompress. Well, now that you're decompressed, It's time to compress again. Okay, the fact is, the Democratic Party has decided to wholesale embrace anti-Semitism. Not a little bit, not some, wholesale. Wholesale embrace anti-Semitism. So as you know, Ilhan Omar is a vicious anti-Semite. There's been a lot of talk in the last day or so about how Ilhan Omar wasn't actually saying anything anti-Semitic. She was just saying stuff that was anti-Israel. Oh, now this is a convenient excuse very often for people who are anti-Semitic. Not all anti-Israel commentary is anti-Semitic. You can criticize the Israeli government. I do it regularly. I've done it twice in the last three months, I believe. And so this, this sort of thing is perfectly normal. You can criticize any government. You can criticize them for any reason. What you cannot do is criticize Jews as a stand-in for Israel. Ilhan Omar is not being criticized today because she was critical of Israel. Virtually every member of the Democratic caucus has been because the Democratic Party has moved in a dramatically anti-Israel fashion for a very long time. That does not necessarily mean anti-Semitic. But the same people who proclaim that anti-Israel and anti-Semitic are not the same thing will then say that open anti-Semitism is not anti-Semitism, it's just anti-Israel. And that's what is happening right now. They say, on the left, don't conflate anti-Israel with anti-Semitic. And we say, okay, seems fair. I I think that there's not a great excuse for why you would oppose the only democracy in the region and side with, you know, an actual terrorist government in the Gaza Strip and an actual terrorist government in Judea and Samaria. I'm not sure what would motivate that, but if you want to criticize particular actions of the Israeli government, have at it, just like we have at it here in the United States when we criticize the actions of the American government. That's politics. But the same people who say, listen, my criticism of Israel isn't anti-Semitic, it's just criticism of Israel. Then when somebody says stuff that is openly anti-Semitic, then they say, hey, no, no, that's not Jew hatred. That's just us being anti-Israel. You don't get to have it both ways. Either anti-Israel and anti-Semitic are not the same thing, Or anti-Semitism and anti-Israel activity are the same thing. What you don't get to do is separate the two. And then when someone says Jew-hating garbage, like like Ilhan Omar does consistently, you hide that under the rubric of, oh, she's just being anti-Israel. Here is the thing. She has not said anything about Israel. Every comment about which she has been criticized has nothing to do with Israel and everything to do with the Jews, writ large. She's been criticized for three specific statements, lest we forget. The media is lying about all this today. I'm not going to let them lie about this. She has said three specific things for which she has been criticized and maybe four if you include her wish to side with the BDS movement. The BDS movement doesn't just suggest that Israel is wrong in the Palestinian conflict. The leaders of the BDS movement have openly stated they want the destruction of the state of Israel. There is no way to talk about the destruction of the state of Israel with talking about without talking about the death or expulsion of millions of Jews. That's where Israel policy shades over into anti-Semitism. If you stand for the destruction of the state of Israel, that is anti-Semitic. Anti-Zionism at this point is anti-Semitic, but that is not the same thing as criticizing specific actions of the Israeli government or suggesting a two-state solution. None of that is anti-Semitic. Okay, but she didn't even, we're not even talking about that. That's not the stuff she did. She was not even talking about Israel at all. Okay, here are the three comments for which she has been criticized. She's not been criticized for the BDS stuff, really. She should be, but she has not been. Okay, but here are the three comments for which Ilhan Omar, the representative from Minnesota, was criticized. She was criticized, one, for stating that Israel hypnotizes the world. That is not a criticism of the Israeli government. That is a suggestion that the nefarious Jews in the Jewish state are using their magical Jew powers to ensure that Israel has support across the world. That independent people across the world are not supporting Israel because Israel has certain principles, because it's a liberal democracy, because it's a homeland for a historically persecuted people who have been slaughtered en masse for something like 3,000 years. No, it's that Israel and the nefarious Jews hypnotize the world. That is blatant anti-Semitism. That's statement number one. She quasi-apologized for it. She said she didn't really understand originally how that could be offensive to Jews. I mean, she was just talking about Israel, but she wasn't talking about Israeli policy. She was talking about the Jewish state hypnotizing the world. Second, She said that American support for Israel was quote unquote all about the Benjamins and then she cited to AIPAC. What she meant by that obviously is that Jewish American money was behind American support for Israel. This is another anti-Semitic comment. It has nothing to do with Israel policy. Israel does not put money into AIPAC. AIPAC is an American lobbying organization funded by Israel supporters, many of whom are Jewish. When she says the reason that Americans support Israel is specifically because the Jews are paying them off to do so. It is all about the Benjamins. She is suggesting that the Jews are in nefarious fashion, paying off various politicians and corruptly causing them to be pro-Israel. That that's, that's the thing here. It's these nefarious Jews and their pro-Israel ways. That is, a, that is an anti-Semitic comment. It's not anti-Israel because, again, that's not a critique of anything the Israeli government is doing. It is not a critique of the state of Israel. It is a critique of Jews in America who are spreading their nefarious Jew money around and causing America to support Israel. That was her second statement for which she quasi-apologized, although she didn't really apologize for that. Then she made a third statement. Her third statement was that supporters of Israel, Jewish, non-Jewish, supporters of Israel have dual loyalty to Israel. Now, if she's talking about Jews in that group, that is an anti-Semitic statement. The suggestion that the reason that American Jews support Israel is because they are secret nefarious agents of the Jewish state is a canard that has been used against Jews for legitimately thousands of years, going back to a time when there was no Israel. Remember, Israel was only established in 1948. Anti-Semitism did not begin with the establishment of the Jewish state. I know that those on the left like to conflate anti-Semitism and anti-Israeli activity. They like to say that every act of anti-Semitism is really rooted in Israeli policy. It turns out anti-Semitism has quite a history before that. The Holocaust took place before the state of Israel existed. The pogroms in 1929 in Hebron, in Hebron, in in Israel, by Arabs against Jews, those took place before there was a state of Israel. Pogroms in Eastern Europe were taking place regularly. The ghettoization of Jews in Europe, that was taking place regularly. The treatment of Jews as second-class citizens in the Muslim world, that was taking place long before there was an Israel. And one of the canards that was used was that the Jews were... A group of people who were internally loyal but externally disloyal, that they were a cancer in the body politic, that they had dual loyalty, that they weren't truly loyal to the country to which they, in which they lived or the principles of the country in which they lived. Truly, they were loyal only to each other, this tribal clannish group. That was, the, that was the canard that has been used against Jews really since time immemorial. I mean, going all the way back to Pharaoh in Egypt, suggesting that the Jews keep to themselves. So these are all anti-Semitic tropes. Again, not one of these comments has anything to do with Israel. So what do the Democrats do? The Democrats say, well, no, I guess it has to do with Israel. Her comments really have to do with Israel. And you're trying to shut down debate about Israel when you say that she's being anti-Semitic. Again, not any of her comments have to do with Israel. You know that Democrats are lying and they are covering up that lie by proclaiming that they are just trying to open the debate about Israel itself. But again, she didn't say anything about Israel. And it is amazing to watch as the Democrats are incapable, completely incapable of stopping the anti-Semitism rising from within their ranks because for the Democrats, not all hate is equal. There's a great irony to this. You'll recall that over the last 48 hours, there was talk about a resolution condemning anti-Semitism. Then the Democrats decided to water it down by adding Islamophobia. Then they suggested that they were going to advance a symbolic resolution condemning all hate entirely. But the real rationale for doing this is to write out anti-Semitism as hate because they couldn't even pass that. They then delayed that resolution. They couldn't even condemn all hate because here's the truth. The Democrats don't give any damns about all hate. They don't. They care about the hatred that unifies their base. That's it. They cared about anti-Semitism so long as they could attribute it to the alt-right and attribute it to President Trump. The minute that it turns out that a huge percentage of their base is fine with anti-Semitism, then anti-Semitism takes a backseat. This is nothing new. The New York Times reported this back in October. The New York Times Spent years ignoring the uptick in anti Semitic hate crimes in New York City. And they admitted full scale in the New York Times the reason we didn't cover this is because it wasn't white supremacists. That is the logic of the left. Not that all anti Semitism is bad. Not that anti Semitism is worth condemnation. No, the idea is that anti Semitism is only bad if we can attribute it to our political opponents. If we're doing it, then it's not really anti Semitism. Then it's just us being anti Israel. Then it's just You know, look, is is anti-Semitism really such a problem in the United States? Like, should we really worry about Ilhan Amar being anti-Semitic? Isn't she more of a victim than the Jews who she is accusing of nefarious protocols of the elders of Zion style conspiracies behind closed doors? Isn't she the real victim here? This is how Democrats have reacted to all of this. Speaker Nancy Pelosi said, we'll see what the committee comes up with. I'm a big believer in the committee system. This is their jurisdiction. They have an array of concerns, priorities they are addressing. By the way, there's been no push by the Democrats to oust Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. Right, so it's, it's amazing. They'll suggest that anti-Semitism has nothing to do with anti-Israel activity. Then they cover with, for anti-Semitism by attributing it to anti-Israel activity. Then the anti-Semite they're covering for gets to sit on a committee that oversees Israel-American relations. Perfect how that works out. In a second, I'm going to talk about what the Democrats are supposedly doing here what the Democrats are supposedly doing, and then we'll get to their actual responses. Their actual responses are mind-blowing and revelatory. And remind you that the Democratic Party does not and has not taken anti-Semitism in its own ranks seriously by any measure whatsoever, any measure. There are those of us who took it seriously from the right and take it seriously from the left. I'm still looking for the people on the left willing to take anti-Semitism in their own ranks seriously enough to call this garbage out for what it is. But before we get to that, first, We need to calm down. We need to calm down. Stress is a worldwide epidemic. We are working longer hours. We're inundated with the constant news cycle. We're more connected than ever before. Stress is a part of life. It can very easily affect our overall well-being. And that's why we're partnering with Calm. It's the number one app to help you reduce your anxiety and stress and help you sleep better. More than 40 million people around the world have downloaded it. If you head over to Calm.com Ben, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription. That includes guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, and focus, including a brand new meditation every day. I mean, this stuff is just great. They also have sleep stories. These are bedtime stories for adults designed to help you relax. I am not great at sleeping, and I'll tell you, Calm.com definitely works for me. Head to the magical lavender fields of southern France with Stephen Fry or explore the moonlit jungles of Africa with Leona Lewis. They even have soothing music and more. So if you're looking to calm down and decompress after a long day of following politics, right now, head over to Calm.com slash Ben. My listeners get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at Calm.com slash Ben. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash Ben. Get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at Calm.com slash Ben. Get calm and stop stressing. So tonight after the show, I will definitely be listening to a lot of Calm.com, C-A-L-M dot com slash Ben. I'm going to need it. Okay, back to being stressed out. So here is what the Democratic Party is doing about anti-Semitism. The answer is nothing, nothing. Members involved, as according to the Daily Beast, members involved in crafting the resolution have already been hit with requests from the offices of Democratic lawmakers for specific groups to be included in the resolution. So now they're just gonna broaden out what was a single issue resolution to include hatred against people of all faiths and all kinds. Now, I'm old enough to remember When the Black Lives Matter movement said Black Lives Matter and people said all lives matter. It's not just black lives. Now, the left immediately interpreted that to mean that if you said all lives matter, you were seeking to obscure the fact that black lives matter. Those exact same people are saying today that if you broaden out an anti-Semitism resolution specifically based on a specific circumstance to include all hatred, that's not watering anything down. It's amazing how that works. By the way, I will mention that when it comes to the Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter distinction, the reason people said All Lives Matter is because they rejected the fundamental premise that black people were being unfairly targeted by the police across the country. That's what the actual argument was about. There is no argument that anti-Semitism exists, and there is no rational argument that Ilhan Omar is a purveyor of anti-Semitism. So this isn't even like the Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter debate, because there is no good faith reason to broaden this thing out, except to obscure Ilhan Omar's participation in anti-Semitism, But that's what the Democrats are seeking to do. In a second, I'm gonna explain more of what they are doing. Representative Tulsi Gabbard, who is Hindu, reached out to top Democrats to ask that Hindus be specifically mentioned in the resolution. Other members have suggested Catholics, Muslims, and all forms of racism should be added too. Pelosi then replied, what's too broad about fighting hatred wherever it exists? Well, first of all, you're not fighting hatred where it exists. Your representative sits on the Foreign Affairs Committee. You have said that she is not anti-Semitic and that she did not participate in anti-Semitism, Representative Pelosi. Pelosi was specifically asked about this. She said she didn't think that Ilhan Omar's comments were intentionally anti-Semitic. What in the hell does that even mean? Intentionally anti-Semitic. What, she was walking along the street, she slipped in a puddle and boom, she started spouting anti-Jew hatred? I know it happens to me all the time, just walking down the street, Anvil falls on my head, and suddenly I'm shouting about the KKK being great. Ilhan Omar does this stuff every two weeks. She can't help herself. Intentionally anti-Semitic. By Wednesday afternoon, several of the Democrats had taken to blaming the media for covering Omar's remarks, claiming that racist and anti-Semitic actions and language from Republicans were being ignored. We have to do better across the board, said Representative Max Rose. Now, this is peak whataboutism. Peak whataboutism. We can't condemn Ilhan Omar. We won't condemn Ilhan Omar because over there, there's a person. Go get him. All right now, let's be straight about this. The attempt to equate Ilhan Omar's comments with, for example, Representative Jim Jordan tweeting out Tom Steyer with a dollar sign in Tom Steyer's name is absurd. Tom Steyer isn't Jewish. He's Episcopalian. Also, to say that a particular person gives a lot of money to politics, say George Soros, is not anti-Semitic. To say that the Jews writ large are controlling American politics on behalf of Israel, that's anti-Semitic. George Soros does give a lot of money to politics. It's not anti-Semitic to point that out any more than it would be anti-Semitic for someone to point out that I speak on politics every day, because I do. That's a reality. That is not the same thing as saying Ben Shapiro and all the Jews are paying people off with their Jew money to support Israel. That's anti-Semitic. But the, the, look, the Democrats are not, the, the, the intellectual dishonesty, the willingness to overlook all of this, to pander to their intersectional new faces, it's astonishing. It's astonishing. It's astonishing. Let's be real, the real reason the New York Times didn't cover the hate crime uptick in New York City is because the purveyors were largely from minority groups, statistically speaking. They weren't gonna cover that. They weren't gonna cover that because for the Democrats, not all hatred is to be condemned, only hatred that affects the intersectional coalition. Only hatred that helps them coalesce their various bands of supposedly dispossessed victim groups. And Jews aren't to be included in that, even though they're the smallest of these victim groups and the most likely to be targeted by hate crimes because that might divide the Democratic base intersectionality is a dangerous drug. Democrats have been taking it, and now they've OD'd. Representative John Yarmouth said, we've already voted on it. He said, whatever we do, it's going to look like we're responding specifically to her and to APAC." Well, it should look like you're responding specifically to Ilhan Omar. She's the one who started this. Representative Majority Whip James Clyburn conceded some members felt Omar had been singled out for her comments. He said, of all the hate, of all hate, all hate, all hate, all hate, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, racism, all that stuff. And then James Clyburn let the cat out of the bag. Then James Clyburn really let the cat out of the bag. You ready for the ugliest garbage you've ever heard from majority whip, James James Clyburn of South Carolina? You ready for this? This is from The Hill. Clyburn came to Omar's defense on Wednesday, lamenting that many of the media reports surrounding the recent controversy have omitted mentioning that Omar, who was born in Somalia, had to flee the country to escape violence and spent four years in a Kenyan refugee camp before coming to the United States. Her experience, Clyburn argued, is much more empirical and powerful than that of people who are generations removed from the Holocaust, Japanese internment camps during World War II, and then the other violent episodes that have marked history. I'm serious about that. There are people who tell me, well, my parents are Holocaust survivors. My parents did this. It's more personal with her, Clyburn said. I've talked to her, and I can tell you, she is living through a lot of pain. This is vile. Vile. So, Anti-Semitism no longer matters because you see, Ilhan Omar suffered. You know who else suffered, Ayan Hirsi Ali. You know what the left has done with Ayan Hirsi Ali? They've othered her. They've decided that she cannot be heard. They've tried to ban her from campuses because she is anti-radical Islam. They've done that. She had the same, worse experiences than Ilhan Omar. I'm not aware that Ilhan Omar was a victim of female genital mutilation as Ayan Hirsi Ali was. Doesn't matter. Ayan Hirsi Ali has been ousted by the Democrats and othered by the Democrats. But don't worry. Ilhan Omar can be as anti-Semitic as she wants to be because who cares about the Holocaust? It happened so long ago. Now, imagine for a second, a Republican saying about the history of slavery. You know what? People should stop complaining that America enslaved people. They really should stop complaining about it altogether. Like, we shouldn't even mention it. And if somebody says something racist today, that is linked to the legacy of slavery. If somebody says something about enslaving black people today, that is linked to the legacy of slavery. We shouldn't, that was 150 years ago. Were you enslaved? Happened a long time ago. People on the left would be angry to suggest that because you had people who died in the Holocaust, well, you haven't suffered as much. What is this, competitive suffering? This isn't about who has suffered more. This is about a person expressing open Jew hatred and James Clyburn making excuses for it because he wants to kiss Ilhan Omar's ass and the asses of all of her friends, AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Ro This is James Clyburn kowtowing. And it's also about an unfortunate fact, the Congressional Black Caucus has tolerated anti-Semitism for years. They've been close with Louis Farrakhan. They've been close with a bunch of figures, Linda Sarsour. They've gone out of their way to cultivate relationships with people who have been ousted from the Overton window of American politics for decades now. The CBC coming out in defense of Ilhan Omar is just the latest iteration of this garbage. James Clyburn, really? We can't the, the, my parents are Holocaust survivors. Listen, if the Holocaust had never taken place, you know what would still be wrong? Jew hatred. That would still be wrong. But for for the Democrats, there is this intersectional pyramid. Elhan Omar is higher on the intersectional pyramid. She's from Somalia. She's Muslim. She's a woman. That means she can be as anti-Semitic and disgusting as she wants to be. So that is the hottest take of the day, but it's not the only take of the day. We'll get to the other Democratic takes on all of this in a second, and then I will show you how this has played out in Europe because we know where this is going, folks. We know where this is going. It is not a secret. The Democratic Party is becoming the Jeremy Corbyn Labor Party of the UK, which means that America is likely to go the direction of Europe when it comes to anti-Semitism more generally. If this continues, I'll explain in just a second. First, let's talk about preserving your family memories. I've said for a long time that I am very, very big on helping to preserve family memories, because in the end, that's really all you're going to have. And here are a few reasons why so many people are motivated and excited to digitize their old analog format with Legacy Box. What you really need to do is ensure that all of those old photos in your garage, all that old film, that that is digitized and updated, and then you can have it convenient to you on a thumb drive or on a DVD. Save your family films and photos from degrading or being lost forever. Play your videos that you haven't been able to play in years because you don't have a VCR anymore. This gives you peace of mind and a great sense of accomplishment. It makes a fantastic gift to parents, to siblings, to spouses. Send your Legacy Box filled with old home movies and pictures, and then Legacy Box does the rest. They will professionally digitize your moments onto a thumb drive, a digital download, or a DVD. They have easy-to-follow instructions and safety barcodes included for every item. Receive all your original moments, recorded moments back, along with a perfectly preserved digital copy, and get personalized updates at every step. Receive up to 12 personalized email updates. Legacy Box is the world's largest, most trusted digitizer of home movies and photos. Over 450,000 families trust Legacy Box. There's never been a better time to digitally preserve those memories. Visit LegacyBox.com. I really think this is an incredibly important gift. Plus, for a limited time, they're offering my listeners an exclusive discount. Go to LegacyBox.com Ben and get 40% off your first order. That is LegacyBox.com Ben. Save 40% today. My family has done this, and you should too. LegacyBox.com Ben. Save 40% today. Go check them out right now. Okay, so it's not just James Clyburn who is presenting pretty much openly anti-Semitic arguments at this point. I mean, Clyburn's argument is an openly anti-Semitic one. Anti-Semitism is fine. Jew hatred is fine. So long as you can say you're a member of a more victimized group or you have had more victimized experiences. But that's not the only terrible argument coming from the Democrats today. Every major Democratic presidential candidate who has commented on this has come out now in defense of Ilhan Omar in the most dishonest possible way. So Bernie Sanders... Now, people will say that Bernie Sanders, because he's a Jew, that he has more legitimacy on this. Bullcrap. Bernie Sanders has no more legitimacy on this than anyone else. He is not a practicing Jew. He has not been for a long time. He is an atheist. He has self-stated he's an atheist. He has no real identification with a shul, with the Jewish community, with Jewish principles or any of that stuff. So spare me the, he can't be saying things in defense of anti-Semitism. He's a Jew. Of course he can. So here is him defending anti-Semitism from Ilhan Omar. Quote, anti-Semitism, is a hateful and dangerous ideology, which must be vigorously opposed in the United States and around the world. We must not, however, equate anti-Semitism with legitimate criticism of the right-wing Netanyahu government in Israel. No one has done that. No one. Again, not a comment Ilhan Omar is being criticized for has anything to do with Benjamin Netanyahu. Not one word that she has said has anything to do with Israeli policy. It all has to do with the powers of the nefarious Jews and their dual loyalty. That is what she is being ripped for. If it were just about opposing Israel, then don't you think that every Democrat would be hit with this kind of stuff? Legitimately like all of them? Because how many Democrats stood up against Barack Obama's insane Iran deal that put the existence of the Jewish state at risk? Virtually none. Was Chuck Schumer called an anti-Semite for that? No, he was not. So there was something different that happened here, obviously. But Bernie Sanders is playing this game. They're playing this sick, disgusting game where they say, Anti-Israel is not the same as anti-Semitism. Here is a person saying a very anti-Semitic thing, and we will pretend it is an anti-Israel thing. You ever wonder why so many Jews seem to get very touchy when people start talking about how much they hate Israel and how much they think that Israel is is the evildoer in the Middle East? And you say, why are they so touchy? I'm not touchy when they criticize my American party. The answer is because a lot of Jews look at your commentary on Israel, in which you incessantly criticize Israel, and they say, you might be an anti-Semite. And you say, well, I'm not. Okay, well, maybe you're not. But it's weird because all of the anti-Semites, all of them are anti-Israel. How odd. How odd. And not only that, all of the anti-Semites will guise their anti-Semitism under the, oh, I'm just anti-Israel canard. And Bernie Sanders is doing that today. He says, rather, we must develop an even-handed Middle East policy, which brings Israelis and Palestinians together for a lasting peace. Peace. What I fear is going on in the House now is an effort to target Congresswoman Omar as a way of stifling that debate. F you. F you, Bernie Sanders. Honest to God. What I fear is an effort to target Omar to stifle the debate. What debate? There's no debate. She didn't mean to start a debate about the power of APAC, about whether APAC's lobbying power is, is Outsized, which, by, for the record, it is not. APAC spends less money on elections than virtually every other group that is connected with the with the promotion of of connections with a foreign country. Right there is a Cuba. There's a there, there's a Cuban lobby. There is a Mexican lobby. There is, a, in fact, an Irish lobby. All these lobbies exist. But for the record, that's not what she's talking about. There is no debate here. She wasn't trying to start a debate. She was saying Jew-hating things, and Bernie Sanders is trying to subsume that under the rubric, oh, she's she's just anti-Israel, that's all. And this has become the talking point for the Democrats. So what they want to say is anti-Israel doesn't mean anti-Semitic, but if you say something anti-Semitic, we'll let it go because it's probably just anti-Israel. Senator Elizabeth Warren does the same thing. She says, we have a moral duty to combat hateful ideologies in our own country and around the world, and that includes both anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. Again, the fact that they feel the need to link the two as though the real story here is people being mean to Ilhan Omar. The real story is a West Virginia GOP poster condemned by pretty much everyone. But that is, that is somehow equivalent to a sitting member of Congress consistently, not once, three times in six weeks saying openly anti-Semitic stuff and not being condemned by her own party, equating the two. Okay, but that's not, that's not all. She says, in a democracy, we can and should have an open, respectful debate about the Middle East that focuses on policy. Branding criticism of Israel as automatically anti-Semitic has a chilling effect on our public discourse. Threats of violence like those made against Representative Omar are never acceptable. Who's making threats of violence against Ilhan Omar? And if they are, shouldn't they be arrested? That's a violation of the law. But notice how she conflates that again. Again, for the one millionth time this show, I'm not saying, and no one has said, that all criticism of Israel is anti-Semitic. I am saying that if you use anti-Semitism and then cover for it, by saying, no, I'm just being anti-Israel, then you are an anti-Semite and an anti-Semite enabler. Kamala Harris does the same thing. She's even worse, Kamala Harris. Garbage senator from California. She says, we all have a Senate, we all have a responsibility to speak out against anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, homophobia, transphobia, racism, blah, 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 blah. But like some of my colleagues in the Congressional Black Caucus, I am concerned that the spotlight being put on Congresswoman Omar may put her at risk. What? So... So she says something wildly anti-Semitic, not once, three times. If we pay attention to this, we are the bad people because we are putting her at risk. I don't remember her same concern for Steve King's safety. Do you, Representative King, who defended quasi-white nationalism? You remember this? He did this in the New York Times. Some of us called on people to support a primary effort from Senator Randy Feenstra in Iowa, who you should go support today. Some of us called on the House to censure Steve King and remove him from committee assignments. I'm old enough to remember that because I'm more than two months old. But apparently Democrats are not old enough to remember that. They are very concerned about Congresswoman Omar's safety because people might say things that remind people of what she said. Unbelievable. And then there's Congressperson Emanuel Cleaver. He says, I think there ought to be a resolution that ought to be condemning all the isms. If we're going to start condemning, let's condemn sexism, homophobia, Islamophobia, everything. Oh, all lives matter. That's where all lives matter. By the way, The CBC was so defensive of Ilhan Omar that when she tried to escape questions yesterday, they literally formed an offensive line and pushed away journalists. Were the journalists angry? No, of course not. Were they upset? No, of course not. Today, all of the major newspapers in the United States are filled with editorials supporting Ilhan Omar and suggesting that the blowback on her is really about conservatives pouncing. It's really about the pouncing of the conservatives. Now, listen, we know where all of this is going. Hey, this is not a shock. We know where all of this is going in Europe. And I'm going to explain where it has gone in Europe in just one second. First, you're going to have to go over to dailywire.com and subscribe. For nine ninety nine a month, you can get a subscription to Daily Wire. When you do, you get the rest of the show live. You get the rest of Andrew Clavin's show live, Michael Moles' show live. Plus, you get two additional hours of me this afternoon. We're having on today the head of the Council of Jewish Presidents, Malcolm Heinlein, to talk about this particular scandal among the Democrats. We'll give you all the updates throughout the day. Basically, our show lasts all day at this point, and that's why you should tune in, and you should subscribe. For $99 a year, you get that, plus the greatest in all beverage vessels, the leftist tears, hot or cold tumbler. Look at it. Doesn't it make you feel better just looking? It makes me feel better. So go check that out right now. When you subscribe, you also get our Sunday special on Saturdays. We have so many good Sunday specials coming up, like a bunch of them. This week, it's Arthur Brooks of American Enterprise Institute the author of Love Your Enemies. He stops by, and then I can't announce who our next Sunday special guests are going to be. Let me just say, amazing, amazing. So this is why you want to be part of the team over at dailywire.com for $99 a year or $9.99 a month. Go check it out right now. And please leave us a review at YouTube and iTunes and follow us and subscribe. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in America. Now, we know where all of this is going, and it is fascinating to watch as all of it has morphed. It's it's really incredible to watch as the excuses have morphed. So it started with, Ilhan Omar didn't know what she was saying. Yeah, it's anti-Semitic, but she's ignorant. She's an ignorant woman. And legitimately, this was the case that was made by heads of the Democratic Party. She didn't know what she was saying. She needs education, guys. It's really just about edumacation. If we just told her that she was saying mean things, she would stop saying mean things. Now, never mind that there was an article in the Minneapolis Star Tribune years ago talking about how the Jewish community had met with Ilhan Omar and left, feeling she was anti-Semitic, basically. And that people have been trying to, quote-unquote, educate Ilhan Omar about this stuff for years, to no avail. Which suggests, perhaps, she knows precisely what she is doing. It started with, oh, you know, it's just ignorant. It's just ignorant. So, then it turned into, well, you know, it's bad, right? The anti-Semitism is bad, sure. But what's really bad is that Donald Trump is president. That's really bad. Like, let's pay attention to Trump, because, you know, Two years ago, Trump was winking and nodding at the alt-right. And that means we shouldn't cover Omar. I mean, that would be, it wouldn't be even handed of us to ignore President Trump at this time. Number one, no one ignored Trump at the time. I was there. I was one of the people yelling at him. But Democrats moved to the whataboutism. Okay, we're not going to pay attention to Omar. Trump is still out there and he's the real threat. And then it turned into, you know what? It's not anti-Semitism at all. Poof. It's just anti-Israel sentiment. It's just her being anti. And we can't shut down the debate. We wouldn't want to shut down the debate. And then, It turned into, you know what, even if it's anti-Semitic, that's okay, because, I mean, after all, she's from Somalia. After all, she's more victimized than you, and that's okay. That's okay that she says anti-Semitic things, because she's a victim, you see? So it has morphed. It has morphed all the way. Now, where is this going? What is the logical endpoint to all of this? Here is the logical endpoint. This is an image. This is an image that was posted by labor leadership. Okay, this is an ally of Jeremy Corbyn, who directed that a labor member posted an anti-Semitic image from a far-right website. Okay, so there was a a labor member who posted this image. If you can't see the image, because you're not subscribing, the image is a picture of the alien from the movie Aliens over the face of the Statue of Liberty with a Jewish star on the back of it. With a Jewish star on the back of it. So the Jewish lobster-like evil alien over the face of the Statue of Liberty with the Jewish star on the back of it. Blatant anti-Semitic imagery direct from the pages of Der Sturmer. I mean, this is Nazi-type imagery. And it was posted by a person named Kayla Bibby. Kayla Bibby posted an anti-Semitic image with the Star of David on the Statue of Liberty. And then she added, the most accurate photo I've seen all year. She attended Labour's conference in September as a delegate from the Liber- Liverpool Riverside constituency and was led off with a warning. But now, an ally of Jeremy Corbyn directed... That a labor member should not face immediate suspension because this was just anti-israel not anti-jewish you see open anti-semitism is really just anti-israel stuff that's all it's just about israel now what exactly did that picture have to do with israel nothing it was the jews control america they're an alien life form on the face of the united states don't worry it's just anti-israel and the logical extension goes even further than that in 2014 there was a bomb attack, an arson attack on a synagogue in Brussels. It was a, a synagogue in, in, actually it was in Dusseldorf, sorry, and in, in Germany. And the Dusseldorf High Court found no procedural errors in the trials of three men of Palestinian descent for felony arson against a Wuppertal synagogue. So they tried to burn down a synagogue in 2014. And the high court, the high court said, Them burning down a synagogue, not in Israel, in Germany, them trying to burn down a synagogue in Germany was an expression not of anti-Jew hatred. It was an expression of anti-Israel sentiment. It was an expression of anti-Israel sentiment. That's all that it was. Katharina von Schnurbein, the EU's coordinator on anti-Semitism, she spoke on a panel exploring the new anti-Semitism, she said, in my opinion, throwing Molotov cocktails into a synagogue is always anti-Semitism. But really, is it? Really, is it? Is it really anti-Semitism when you use a bunch of Jew-hating language, but you're also anti-Israel? Isn't that really just you hating on Israel when you suggest that the nefarious Jews are behind American politics and their nefarious Jew money is behind American politics? That's just you being anti-Israel, right? And burning down synagogues, I mean, if you're doing that because you don't like Israel, I mean, we all get it, don't we? The arson attack on the Burkish synagogue in Wuppertal took place in the early morning hours of July 29, 2014, following an end to Ramadan celebration and during the height of anti-Israel protests in Germany and elsewhere over the Gaza war. The men were found guilty of arson and given suspended sentences in 2015, with a threat of jail if they got into trouble again. The high court last month rejected the defendant's appeal on procedural grounds. In a statement last week, Moshe Cantor, who's the president of the European Jewish Congress, said it was unbelievable that attempts to burn a synagogue have been equated with displeasure with Israeli government policies. But again, this is nothing new. We have seen in France groups of men, largely of, of Middle Eastern Muslim descent, descending on shuls, on synagogues, and attacking those synagogues whenever there's an Israeli policy they don't like. Because Jews everywhere are obviously merely foreign agents of the Israeli government. That's where the Democratic Party is going. That any form of anti-Semitism is apparently going to be justified with, well, you know, they were just, Ilhan Omar was just pissed off at Israel. That's all. So doesn't that make this okay? We know where, we know where this is going, guys. Okay, this is not a shock. It's already happening in Europe. I thought that the, cor- the, the Jeremy Corbynization of the Democratic Party was going to take longer. It took about five minutes. Five minutes. The new wave of Democrats are Jeremy Corbyn. AOC is a fan of Jeremy Corbyn. She touted that she had a call with the guy. Jeremy Corbyn has spoken out in favor of Hamas, in favor of Hezbollah. He has tolerated the growth of open anti-Semitism in his own party. He has just said, oh, well, it's just anti-Israel activity. That's all. So here's a question for American Jews today. I want you to who vote overwhelmingly for the Democrats. Look at the Democratic Party and ask yourself, is this a party that you can justify voting for? Is this a- I'm not even asking you to vote Republican. You vote however you want. But can you bring yourself to vote in favor of a party that is willing to let off anti-Semitism this way in favor of the quote-unquote intersectional ideal? I mean, when you've lost Batya Unger Sargon, I don't know what to tell you. Batya Unger Sargon is the editor of the Jewish Forward, and she is bent over backwards. I mean, legitimately bent over backwards to try and make excuses for anti-Semites inside the Democrat ranks because she's tried to give them the benefit of the doubt. But even now, but now even she is saying, you know, there, there, there's no way to justify this. There's no way to justify this. I'll explain in just a second. So, Baya Anger Sargon, I know her. She's a nice lady. We disagree about politics. But she has really bent over backwards to try and make excuses for Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. Even she is saying, I can't handle this anymore. She wrote a column in The Forward, which is a far-left, far-left Jewish magazine, you know, the kind of Jewish magazine that suggests that I am a far-right extremist. She says, The left is making Jews choose our progressive values or ourselves. She says, almost as upsetting as having a member of Congress repeatedly saying things that evoke the most horrific episodes in Jewish history was the response to Omar's words on the progressive left. Instead of expressing support for American Jews horrified that a sitting congresswoman, a person with access to state power, who has a vote on whether the most, on whether the most mil- powerful military in the world goes to war, they started a hashtag on Twitter, I stand with Ilhan. She says that every human being should oppose anti-Muslim attacks on her, which of course is true, she says, but her supporters went further. They based their defenses around a bizarre, self-contradictory combination of denying that her words evoked anti-Semitic stereotypes while implicitly admitting that her words did invoke those stereotypes with elaborate deflections and whataboutisms. And then she quotes Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. And, of course, Batya Ungar-Sargon is correct, but she is as progressive as you get on the left. And even she is saying the Democratic Party has botched this. Now, here's the thing. I was very worried in 2015-2016 about the mainstreaming of the alt-right the alt-right has not been mainstreamed. They've been forcibly ousted from the Republican Party. They are not tolerated. I was really worried about it in 2016, and I was right to be really worried about it in 2016, and I was the number one target of alt-right hate in 2016, in America. So I know of what I speak. And I spoke out. And the left said, yeah, we have to speak out against this stuff. Now the mainstream left is saying, stop speaking out about this stuff Because it might hurt Ilhan Omar, or it might hurt the Democratic Party, or it might hurt the anti-Israel cause. So I ask you again, American Jews, I'm not even asking you on the basis of of shared ethnicity, because I don't care about shared ethnicity. If you care about your cultural Jewishness, if you care about Jews being targeted simply for being Jews, if you care about slurs against Jews becoming widespread, and that conflated with anti-Israel sentiment, how can you vote in favor of this party or support this party? How? How? You're going to need to explain it to me. Again, I'm not even saying go vote for Donald Trump. I understand your problems. I'm not going to say you have to vote for Republicans. I am going to say that if you continue to vote for this party, I don't know what is going through your head. Or at the very least, I have to question whether you have very much cultural, even cultural connection with, with, the, with Judaism or with being a Jew. Because... Let's face it, Jews are now under attack by the mainstream of the Democratic Party who are willfully ignoring anti-Semitism in order to prop up their intersectional coalition. This is not a matter of principle for Democrats. This is political convenience. Well, political convenience allows some bad actors through the door and Democrats have been championing them, Ilhan Omar is on the cover of Rolling Stone this week with the head of the House of Representatives. Unbelievable. Okay, speaking of disgusting left behavior, There was an amazing thing that happened yesterday. Martha McSally, who's the senator from Arizona and a former Air Force pilot, she was in a hearing about sexual assault in the military and she let slip that while she was in the military, she was sexually assaulted by a superior.
1: My drive to fight against sexual assault in the ranks is not from the outside looking in and it is deeply personal. Like you, I am also a military sexual assault survivor. But unlike so many brave survivors... I didn't report being sexually assaulted. Like so many women and men, I didn't trust the system at the time. The perpetrators abused their position of power in profound ways. And in one case, I was preyed upon and then raped by a superior officer. I was horrified at how my attempt to share generally my experiences were handled. Like many victims, I felt the system was
0: raping me all over again. Okay, so that is, you know, a brave thing to come out with, it is, um, because obviously she's speaking out against a system in which she participated. I mean, she wasn't, not, not participated in the rape, but she's speaking out against the military in which she was a member. And for her trouble, she is ripped by Jill Filipovich. She's a feminist, a supposed feminist, because real feminism is attacking women who are victims of rape, apparently. Jill Filipo- Filipovich tweeted, this is complicated by the fact that McSally is a member of the exact movement that is hostile to sincere and holistic efforts to combat violence against women and that folds misogyny into much of its politics. But feminists do want all women to benefit from our gains. In other words, Martha McSally, the fact that she came out and explained that she was raped, you know, that's complicated because she's right wing. Because she's conservative, that, that really complicates things. Again, if you are militarizing rape in order to attack conservatives, if you are, if you are ignoring anti-Semitism in order to shore up your base, let me suggest that your party has a serious moral problem. I don't want to hear anymore. I I, I don't want to hear anymore about how the left is great at policing itself. The left is garbage at policing itself. Garbage. I've said for a long time, at least when the right sees people as a general matter, we try to police ourselves, right? Roy Moore is not sitting in the Senate because the right at least tries to police itself. Steve King isn't sitting on committees because the right tries to police itself. Name the last Democrat who was so extreme that they were actually ousted by their own party. Name them. Okay, the last time I remember is when Cynthia McKinney was basically exercised by her own party or excised by her own party. And that was back in like 2003. It's been nearly 20 years since the Democrats policed a damn thing. It's absolutely unbelievable. But I guess it's not that unbelievable when political convenience overtakes principle, which it clearly has for the Democratic Party. Joe Lieberman, he he came out and said, former Democratic vice presidential candidate, he said that Democrats will be held accountable if they don't act on Representative Omar's Comments. I, I think this is far too hopeful.
1: Congresswoman Omar's statements uh, uh, clearly do not represent the thinking of most anybody else in office in the Democratic Party. But if if they start to mumble in response to her specific and clear anti-Semitic statement, then then the party itself is going to be. Uh, held more broadly accountable for having similar feelings, which I know they don't. So uh, again, I say uh, this is a moment of testing, moral testing.
0: Well, they tested and they came up short. End of story. The Democrats were tested. They came up short. But really, should we be surprised? They've been tolerating this sort of garbage in their ranks for, for years, for a very, very long time, for a very long time. And that's not that's not any shock that now all that's happened here is just clarification. All that's happened is that the veil is now off. That's all that's happened. It's not that Jeremy Corbynization of the party took place over the last 24 hours. It's that this party was moving toward Jeremy Corbyn for years on end. And finally, the last vestige of pretend opposition to anti Semitism is stripped away so long as ignoring anti Semitism is politically convenient for the Democratic Party. How horrifying and how sad for the country, really. You should have two parties that oppose anti Semitism, and now the Democratic Party is openly embracing it, openly embracing it and pretending it doesn't exist. Amazing. All righty. Well, time for some things that I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like today. Shout out to Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who had the best line of the day yesterday. He was asked specifically why he is bringing up for a vote the Green New Deal, but not House Resolution 1, which is the Democratic plan to basically remake voting across the country and would make voter fraud significantly more easy. McConnell has asked why you bring up one bill, but not the other.
1: You're opposed to H.R. 1. You're also opposed to the Green New Deal. Why is the Green New Deal getting a vote in the
0: Senate when H.R. 1 is not? Uh, Because I get to
1: decide what we vote on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A Cocaine Mitch dropping the hammer right there and breaking a smile as he does it. A rare smile from Cocaine Mitch. That, of course, is exactly true. The media wish that they got to dictate what Cocaine Mitch votes on, but that is not a thing that is happening. Okay, other things that I like. This is a thing I like and hate. I will say the documentary on HBO, Leaving Neverland, about Michael Jackson we talked about. Michael Jackson at length yesterday. It's, it's difficult. It's certainly difficult to watch. It's, it's pretty stomach-churning. It is well-made, and it is, worth, it is worth the viewing because, again, we can all learn moral lessons from looking evil in the face. Yes, I'm talking to you, Democrats. So here is a little bit of the preview for Leaving Neverland.
1: Everybody wanted to meet Michael or be with Michael. And then he likes you. I was seven years old. Michael asked, do you and the family want to come to Neverland? We'd drive in and forget about all your problems. You were in Neverland. It was a fantasy. The days were filled with magical childhood adventure experiences. Playing tag, watching movies, eating junk food, anything you could ever want as a child. It's like hanging out with a friend that's more your age. Just kid things. They were just doing kid things. He just came across as a loving, caring, kind soul.
0: And just super disturbing stuff, super was... disturbing stuff, but it is, it is worth the watch. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So Tom Perez, the head of the DNC, uh, he has now put out a statement saying that he will not allow a Fox News primary debate. He says, I believe that a key pathway to victory is to continue to expand our electorate and reach all voters. That is why I have made a priority to talk to a broad array of potential media partners, including Fox News. Recent reporting in The New Yorker on the inappropriate relationship between President Trump, his administration, and Fox News has led me to conclude that the network is not in a position to host a fair and neutral debate for our candidates. Now, listen, if he wants to say Fox News leans right editorially, that, of course, is true. But if you're saying that Chris Wallace and Brett Baer can't conduct, and Martha McCallum, can't conduct a normal debate, that, of course, is absurd on its face. It is also rather absurd for, for Tom Perez to say he wants an objective basis for debate. That's not true. He wants a, a, he wants a network that is going to kiss his candidate's rear end. And where better to find that in places like CNN? And as you'll recall, Donna Brazil, who ended up becoming the head of the DNC near the tail end of 2016, she admitted that she used her former position as a CNN commentator to relay questions ahead of debates to Hillary Clinton during the Democratic primary. She said, in October, a subsequent release of emails revealed that among the many things I did in my role as a Democratic operative and DNC vice chair prior to assuming the DNC chair position was to share potential town hall topics with the Clinton campaign. She said, my job was to make our candidates look good and I worked closely with both campaigns to make that happen. Uh Uh-huh. But don't worry, CNN will get a debate. Also, I'm sure that ABC News will get a debate. You recall that back in 2012, George Stephanopoulos an actual former staffer for Bill and Hillary Clinton. In 2012, you'll remember that he randomly, in the middle of a primary debate, asked asked Mitt Romney about birth control. Why? Because it then set up the entire line of attack on Romney that there was a war on women. It had nothing to do with anything. No one was talking about birth control. didn't stop George Stephanopoulos from going there. Governor Romney, do you believe
1: that states have the right to ban contraception, or is that trumped by a constitutional right to privacy? Uh, George, this is an unusual uh, a topic that you're raising. States have a right to ban contraception. I can't imagine a state banning contraception. I, I can't imagine the circumstances where a state would want to do so, and if I were a, a governor well, of a state or a legislator of a state, state I would totally and completely oppose any effort to ban contraception. We should allow the people to express their own views through amendment and add it to the Constitution. But this idea that just so Should that be
0: done in this fight? case? Pardon? Should that be done in this should This case? is this George case. Stephanopoulos, Objective News I'm sure George Stephanopoulos will get to moderate a debate this year. George Stephanopoulos was an actual Clinton staffer who wrote in his memoirs about uh, legitimately about Hillary Clinton, that upon her husband's victory, they looked at each other with tears in their eyes and she said, I love you, George. And he said, I love you, too, Hillary. That guy can moderate a debate, but not Brett Baer or Chris Wallace. Good for President Trump. President Trump then blasted the DNC, said, fine, you don't want to do this. I won't let any of the fake news networks do a debate with me. He says, I think I'll do the same thing with the fake news networks and the radical left Democrats in the general election debates. This seems to me an appropriate response, frankly. Okay, other things that I hate. So just terrible news. Alex Trebek revealed yesterday that he has stage four pancreatic cancer, which is which is pretty terrible, obviously. Bad diagnosis. Here's what he had to say about it.
1: This week, I was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. Now, normally the prognosis for this is not very encouraging, but I'm gonna fight this and I'm gonna keep working and with the love and support of my family and friends and with the help of your prayers also, I plan to beat the low survival rate statistics for this disease. Truth told, I have to because under the terms of my contract, I have to host Jeopardy for three more years. So help me, keep the faith and we'll win.
0: Well, We'll you know, get it done. Obviously, we're all praying for Alex Trebek. He is great at his job. You'll recall that just, a, just last year, just a, a great clip of Alex Trebek. Uh,
1: football 400. I can tell you guys are big football fans. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Landry perfected the shotgun formation with this team. Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Do you think we should go to commercial? (laughs) These penalties are simultaneous violations by the offense and defense that cancel each other out. And they are called offsetting penalties. Let's look at the uh, $1,000 clue just for the fun of it. (laughs) If you guys ring in and get this one,
0: I will die. (laughs) Alex, Rebecca, great at his job. Obviously, we're all praying for him. Well, we'll see you here a little bit later this afternoon. I'm sure I will have a lot more to say. At that point, Nancy Pelosi, in the last few minutes, has come out and said, Ilhan Omar just doesn't know what she's saying. That's all. Just doesn't know what she's saying. I'm not kidding you. Like, literally, in the last five minutes, Nancy Pelosi came out and suggested that she is not anti-Semitic. She just doesn't understand the full weight of her words. Oh, so that's what we're going to go with here. All right. Sure. We'll be back later. This is why you should subscribe so you can get two more hours of The Ben Shapiro Show or... Alternatively, we will be back here tomorrow and we'll recap it all for you then. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Senia Villarreal, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Adam Sayevitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Caromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright, Daily Wire twenty nineteen. Hey everyone, it's
1: Andrew Klavan, host of The Andrew Klavan Show. You know there's a crisis in America, but it's only on TV. It's kind of like the zombie apocalypse in The Walking Dead. If you turn the set off, it disappears. We'll talk about that more on The Andrew Klavan Show. I'm Andrew Claven.
0: We'll get to more on this in just one second first.